Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing a pastor's perspective, things I've said a million times. Welcome back, listeners. How's everybody doing today? Uh, We are here in the studio recording. I want to let everybody know that um, they can find us online, Families for Life, You know where to find us in all your favorite podcast apps. Go ahead and subscribe and comment and let us know uh, what you like about the podcast. Give us a favorable review if you can. That things helps us. That helps us to get uh, you know more more noticed by others. And then also, if you have feedback, send it to our email f4l the letter f the number four the letter l at oakhillbc.org. Send us that comments thoughts. Whatever you just say hi, and uh, we would love to uh, hear from you. You may notice that Brian is not here on the podcast today. The other Brian, uh, he just, as we talked about in a previous podcast, we knew his wife, Kayla, was pregnant, and so they just had their baby. So congratulations to Brian. We're excited for them. So he's off this week. So I've got another co-host, a new co-host. I have Pastor Alan Scott here with me today helping me with the podcast. I'm glad to be here, Brian. Thanks for letting me come again. I think I've been here once before, and uh, so I'm back. So thank well, you. Well, obviously, it wasn't didn't mess it up too bad if we invited you back. No, I'm just kidding. It. You know, the second <laughs> string needs to play every once in a while, so I appreciate that. Well, we miss Brian, but I'm really looking forward to this episode. We're doing a pastor's perspective. Those are really, it's kind of a candy bag of different things. It can be cultural things that are on our hearts or minds. I thought that this would be a good one because, you know, as a pastor, you've been at our church in May for 16 years, and there are themes that kind of come out of, you know, it's like you find a way, God kind of leads you to find a way to say something, or you you read something, and it, it really kind of sticks and resonates, and you say these things over and over again throughout your ministry. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they're just not worn-out sermon illustrations, you know, mm-hmm. but they're actually helpful things, and I think a few of the things we're going to talk about today have been... Some of them have been directional, uh, and hopefully all of them have been uh, edifying. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about them. Well, I think you know it's that's a that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, when you you know in the Bible, when something's repeated, that gives it importance and significance. So if a pastor is saying something, you know, over and over again, it becomes a theme of his ministry. That means it's it's important. God has laid that on your heart. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, and if you're in a if you're in a healthy church, I mean, if a pastor is saying something over and over that's not edifying, hopefully that there's other people in the church that will lovingly come and say, "Hey, that's sure not helpful." But yeah. hopefully, that's been the case that uh, these things hopefully will get um, kind of um, impressed on the folks that will kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. So, well, let's talk about the first one. We've got three we're going to talk about. So the first one is as God moves, we move. People yeah. have heard this more recently in our capital campaign that we just went through, but this has actually been a theme all the way back to when you first came to our church. Yeah, it really did start then. I did not call it that. I didn't. I didn't really have that phrase <clears throat> to describe it. But uh, I def. I remember talking to the search committee and uh, having a conversation about how to lead a church and direction of a church, and I made it clear that I I didn't come to Oak Hill with a plan in my briefcase or. Uh, I guess more appropriately nowadays, a backpack. But uh, I did not have a plan that I was going to unfurl on the church. And um, in five years, we will be this or that. And I I just had the conviction that as we would come and 
do the things that a church, a local church is supposed to do, that I believe that God will bless that mm-hmm. and move in it. And then as he is moving, then it will be incumbent upon us to move with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it also takes the pressure off of, as a pastor to feel as if you have to come up with mm-hmm. your plan right. for the church. It's just allowing scripture to inform uh, what the church is doing and then believing in faith that God will honor that mm-hmm. and and f- make the decisions and go the directions that God leads you. So. Yeah, it's really depend putting uh, the dependence back on the Lord. You know, we're doing those things he's called us to do in scripture. So it's not as if it's like we're not doing anything. We're we're following what what he's laid out with the great commission and and Acts 20 Acts chapter two and all those types of things, but it's not putting a number say, Hey, in five years, we're going to have this many and we're going to have this many in worship. And I just don't think that's very helpful to churches because it can lay out an unrealistic expectation. Right. It is. And, and it, it also, I mean, whatever number we put on it, we, we may, we may be limiting God. Too. That's true. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not helpful. And it ultimately numbers matter only because each number in this sense represents a person. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not how big of a number uh, you can attain. And uh, it's really trying to be effective with the gospel and salvation and discipleship. And that that is a theme that we doubled down on a few years back mm-hmm. of trying to make sure that we were discipling better and not just seeing people come to faith and not investing in the mm-hmm. we should. So yeah. that whole point of God moving, as God moves, we move, is it was directional. In fact, a few a few years back, uh, I forget how long now, I shared a message where I, I went to Numbers chapter 9, and I was looking at when the children of Israel uh, broke camp at Sinai, and they were getting ready to embark on their journey. Mm-hmm. And the whole way along, you see God God was the one leading them, mm. and they were the one that was were to move. As he was he literally was. meeting, leading them right with the pillar. Is this the period where he's yes. the pillar of fire, cloud, cloud and the period of fire? Of fire? Yeah. yeah. And so, and 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 those uh, representations or the, those that way of leading was another way of of letting God uh, remind His people that He was present with them. And I think that's really important to remember that as we as a church are going forward, as we're doing the things we're told to in Scripture, we can know that the, that the Holy Spirit is present with us. We know He's present in our lives, and He's present in our, in our church. And so knowing that we have His presence is there because He's faithful. And in verse 16 of chapter 9 there, it says uh, the, the phrase, so it, so it was always. So, so God faithfully was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness that whole 40 years. It was, so it was always. And so God's presence is with us always. And I think that's, that's comforting because it reminds us of his faithfulness. Yeah. And that, that's really good, especially when you're trying to um, serve the Lord and lead a church as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, also over through that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, uh, it showed his caring nature as well. You know, he was, he covered them with the shade by day. Uh, he he uh, gave them light in the darkness in the wilderness mm-hmm. through the pillar of fire. Right. So he's caring for them in all those kind of ways. And uh, ultimately it was just guidance because five times in that passage, there's a phrase, according to the command of the Lord. Uh, and so he was giving them guidance throughout that whole passage and through that whole time, according to the command of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if he's commanding, we know he's in control. Yeah. He's, le- he's, guide- he's guiding and they're following. Yeah, it wasn't and, an easy task. They had to journey. I mean, they were in the wilderness. I mean, this was, this was a harsh uh, journey they had to go in, but it, it speaks to how God 
protected them and walked them through. He did, he asked them to follow him through a hard journey, but he he watched over them and helped them every step of the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he he's always going to do his part. All right. It's just a matter of are we going to do our part? And uh, in that passage, I was talking about how God's people were a few things. They were dependent on God mm-hmm. uh, because whenever the cloud moved, the people moved. Uh, when the cloud stopped, the, the people camped. And so we see their dependence. That there was a, God's people had to be patient in that time because uh, they had to wait on God's timetable. They, they, they only moved when God moved. So it, it's hard to wait sometimes, mm. you know, especially as a church, you know, uh, We've experienced that, I think, as a church. You know, we right before the pandemic, we closed on our property, the North Campus. Mm. And we had a plan. We were ready to go. We knew God gave us that plan, and I still believe that and know it. Uh, but we've had to do some waiting now yeah. because we it was not time to take next steps. And we talked to the church about, hey, we got to pause. And now it was time to unpause. And so that whole process is God, God moving and working. And we just have to be ready and obedient. So yeah. as God moves, we move. Mm-hmm. And when we know he's moving, we've got to step out in faith. And so yeah. that's what we've had to do. How do you see that playing out? You know, we don't we obviously don't have a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire in front of us nowadays. Right. How do we how do we discern the will of the Lord as as a church and as well, individuals? Well, I think that's the the main way is making sure you're you're on your face before the Lord praying mm-hmm. and you're in his word and you're letting that Work and and I, I do believe that God gives direction through circumstances too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination of those yeah. things, and that's being sensitive to what God's doing and not 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 having our head a certain something, right? And we stick to that timing no matter right. what because that's what we want. Yeah, I still believe He leads us by His Spirit, but the Spirit is going to um, in, in help us as we get into God's Word and as we fill our lives with the things of God. We're going to hear the Spirit's leading much much clearer. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to hear from God and follow His direction if we're if we're not in a relationship with Him, if we're not communicating with Him. Yeah, right. I mean, you you you, you know, just in your in your marriage relationships, you know, you I mean, you're you can't you can't know the heart of your wife, right? Uh, if you never talk to her. If you don't communicate with her, if you're not communing with her, mm-hmm. but in a much greater way, I mean, it doesn't make sense for a church or a pastor or Christians to think we could know God's will, but we're not talking to Him. We're right. not we're not meditating on His truths because it's in that that it is the Spirit leading. Mm-hmm. It's leading as we're praying, as we're reading the Word, and it's in all those situations that we find God's direction. Yeah, what I love about this this phrase is it it at the heart of it is a relationship with God. There's also a community aspect to this, right? It's as God moves, we move. The children of Israel moved as a group, right? You know, and as a church, we we have a community that that moves together, right? And that and that's why it's so important to whatever whatever that direction is, whatever that guidance is. If you can form a culture of looking back over times in the life of our church where we have seen God move and we have seen as we've moved in faith, what God has done. Mm-hmm. And so it's really helpful. I think for a communal aspect of it, when you can look not at the pastor's track record, not at the leadership's track record, but the track record of God, right? That's because he is the one moving. And as he has moved in, when we step in faith and, and move with him, you can see what God can do. That's right. And so it's, it's always got to be about what he has done what he is doing 
And I think people can rally better around that mm -hmm. concept than around the concept of, oh, Pastor Allen wants us to do this. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about what I want. It's about what God wants to do in our church. Yeah, and so that's I, great. I just really feel that way. And, um, you know, and, and really almost selfishly, I don't know if I would be comfortable trying to lead another way mm -hmm. because I'd, I honestly could not take the pressure mm. of the church looking at me and me saying to them, God has given me this plan, and mm -hmm. I know that if we do this, then this is going to happen. And I, I just... I just can't, I just, I just can't operate that way. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's more biblical because it helps us to understand the, the biblical community and everybody has a part to play, you know, in the church and, and you've been called to lead us and, uh, and teach us and help to, uh, help to equip us. But the church is called to jump in and be a part of this as much as, as much as all of us, we're all, we're all in this together. So I like yeah, that a yeah. lot. I sure hope it's that way. That's yeah. the, that's the that's the point. Yeah. Because you you'll never accomplish what God wants the church to do just through a few people. Yeah. It takes the church to come together. And a part of that means that everyone is wants what God wants and and it's not about everyone has their opinions. Sure. Everybody thinks you should do certain things certain ways, but it, it, everybody can't have a plan. Yeah. And so in in this process we're depending on the Lord. There are parts of things that some people are really going to think that, hey, that's it. Others, not as much. But if we're all uh, submitting ourselves to the Lord, mm -hmm. it, it's possible. Yeah, well, that reminds me of we had a faithful saint who's gone to be with the Lord who, uh, when we built our multi-purpose worship center, he was not a fan of that type no, of building. No. But he faithfully gave because he knew God was in it. He knew that's what we needed. Yeah. He didn't like it, but he faithfully gave because he was following God's plan. Yeah, and he... Um, he he absolutely did that, and he did it with a joyous heart. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it, he he didn't do it um, begrudgingly. Mm -hmm. uh, he he didn't he did it uh, with a with joy in his heart, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't exactly what he wanted. Right. Uh, and I do think over the years he saw the benefit of it, mm -hmm. and uh, he he would. I remember him coming to uh, he'd come to our upper basketball games. Right. And I always got a kick out of that because this is the same guy that was like, in his mind, he never would have wanted to worship in the same. Uh, room right. that he was watching a basketball game in, but there he was, and he came and he really enjoyed he enjoyed the upper games. That's he enjoyed right. he enjoyed sports and he enjoyed seeing these kids uh, play that game and be ministered to in that way in the same room that he was worshiping in. Yep. He never would have come up with that plan on his own. He right. never would have he never would have had that as his first choice, but because of who he was and his ability to say, I know God's in this, and even though it's not exactly what I want. God, he, he, he saw the blessing in it. That's good. It was awesome. That's real good. Well, let's move on to our second topic, uh, our second um, saying here. This is one of my favorite ones here. It's uh, You've said if you're not sick or on vacation or at work, you should be at church. Yeah. It's, I mean, meaning as on Sundays going to worship, right? Yeah, no, I, I really do believe that. I, I You know, that was a concept that was ingrained in me as a kid, and so... Uh, and you, many of the ones who would hear this, uh, uh, I think podcast might, may, uh, that's old school. Yeah, that's old school, but, uh, that's how I was raised. And even though I was, did not become a follower of Christ until I was older, um, in tw age 23, that, that investment stuck in me and has, and has, uh, served me well through the years. And, and I really do think that it is important 
uh, you know, Hebrews 10.25 is true. You know, uh, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right. Well, the day is definitely drawing near. It's near every day. And we are encouraging one another when we come and worship together. There's a communal benefit to that. That's not the main reason because we're coming, we're assembling to worship the one true and living God. But God, in His goodness to us, even in our worship of Him, it is a blessing to us. Right. And we can encourage one another. And really, to be honest, that was one thing that really uh, was hurt during the pandemic. And I don't want to get into the pandemic. Everybody's got uh, opinions about that. I've got my own. But it, it's it, you can't argue with the fact that churches were not helped uh, by not meeting together. Uh for whatever the reasons that people think, oh yeah, right, wrong, or whatever, uh, loneliness has increased. Uh, suicides have increased during this time. Uh, ministry to those who are most vulnerable lessened during this time because we were separated from we one had, another. Well, we had so many uh, counseling things, yes. meeting with people coming out of that just because of all of these these things that were happening. Yes, and, and I think when you're not together, you're not getting that encouragement that you need. As you, it's encouraging to come and truly worship the one true and living God. And we need that in our life. And so I always did say, you know, if, you, if you're not sick, if you don't have to work, if you're not on vacation, you need to be at church. And I, I believe that. I, I don't shy away from that, even if it does sound old school. Because, listen, think about how much you're in the world. Right. Uh, we have less time spent in church than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, you had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you went to ch- a church goer. They'd have visitation you know, one night a week. Visitation, <laughs> and you'd have, on Sunday nights, you'd have discipleship class, and then you'd have evening worship. And right. there were all these opportunities. And I'm not I'm not saying that if a church doesn't do it, we don't do all those things. Right. But it's the reality of the world we live in. We have got to make sure that we're prioritizing corporate worship. Right. And that we are coming together. And and while people are together, that's another part of our ministry is discipling people, investing in people's lives, being right. a part of a life group. Those things are important. And so uh, I, I'm really excited that it, we're, it seems like we're coming on the other side of what we went through. And we really need to really encourage people to come and worship yeah. and be a part. Well, I like that you shared some of the heart behind that because I don't want people to think that like, like it's a legalistic thing that we're wanting people to be at church uh, just because you need to be at church to check off some sort of box, yeah. but there's a there's a real benefit to participating in corporate worship and being a part of the community. Yeah, and I think if we would just remember when we did not meet at all, other than you, you could watch a service online, we had a, 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 a we had a season of that in our church, and I remember when we first came back and were able to actually see people and be with people. What a blessing that was. Yes. But it's like that blessing wears off so easily. Oh, yes. It's like now we're over it, you know. But I mean it. When we come to church, we should be excited to see our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I mean, it, it brought tears to my eyes the the first time when, when people were really, not not the first few weeks, but like a few months after when people were really starting to come back. And I saw these people I hadn't seen. And we had been calling and we had tried to keep touch, but it's just not the same, you yeah. know. When you see them face to face, it's just, it's it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's not the same. And I remember when we started our services back, if you, you, I think you would remember this too. Uh, it came up on one of my memories. Uh, we got to church and it was always oh, on Easter, I think. 
we had an Easter service, mm-hmm. but it was all online, if we remember. And we got to church, and there were some of our church members that drove to church and lined their cars up in the parking lot, and they'd made signs and everything. And I remember yeah. that, mm-hmm. and I, and I filmed that, and it came up on my on my feed, and the the encouragement that was to me on that Sunday, even though mm-hmm. we weren't, it was so difficult to to preach to an empty room, uh, because it felt hollow and it felt distant. And so seeing those seeing those church members who who came out and encouraged us on that Easter that way that was, I'll never forget that and it was really awesome yeah and uh, you know I mean we we even had some cardboard cutouts of people that we set up in the seats <laughs> you know well I think uh, we take it for granted you know we 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 think about we you know we know we need we know we need worship to God we know we need preaching but we also need people we need yeah, people in there to it's, it's, it's all of that you know and and of course it, it is mainly about the worship of our God. Uh, but man, it is so, it is so awesome, and it is it is beneficial. And it's mm-hmm. all these wonderful things because how God designed it. Yeah, to to be able to corporately worship together. Well, and I would encourage you. You know, obviously, you can't help when you're sick. That's oh. that's that's just your hey, sick. If you're sick, stay home. <laughs> you know, when you go on vacation, you know, I, I get it. If you if you miss a Sunday, that's that's not a big deal. I do know people that try to structure their vacations in a way where they can get back to church just because they, they love, they love church. They love our people. They love the worship of God. They love the preaching. Um, you know, and then we do have the online. So people that are on vacation can participate that way. And so I think that's, that's helpful. I think that's good. Oh yeah, you know? I, I, absolutely. So yeah, in no way is this a legalistic thing. Uh, but you know, uh, it, you know, there's something to be said too. When you get out of the habit of something, it, it, oh, it, yeah. it does not, take much to stay in that habit. You miss you miss three or four weeks of service. And maybe it's for random reasons, but man, it it's there's a temptation there to just maybe sleep in and maybe not come or maybe find something else. And it speaks to priorities. Yes. And it really does. Yeah. And uh listen, I'm gonna go on vacation and when I'm going on vacation you won't see me at church. Mm-hmm. If I'm sick, I'm gonna stay home because I don't need to be around people. Um if I have to work, oh well, wait a minute. That's the one day I do work, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but if you've got to work, you've got to provide for your family. This is yes. not about legalism. If there's a way to arrange your schedule in a way right. where you don't have to be work on Sundays, but you know we've got healthcare workers in our right. church and they have to work the weekends, and I get it. We've got other people that have to work on the weekends, but if you can arrange your schedule at all possible and make it to where you don't have to work on Sunday, that would that would be great. And I, I encourage. Talking about work, I, I agree with everything you just said. But if you find yourself in a job that constantly, habitually makes you miss work, I would really pr- pray to the Lord and ask God to yeah. say, "God, please ask, pray to God to provide you a job that would help you not have to miss church like that." Yeah. But let me just say, as a side note, uh, people have kids, students; they get in the workforce. I believe in that. My kids, as they got older, to, they they found jobs and they work, but. Parents, I'm going to strongly encourage you. I mean, really strongly encourage you. If your kid has a job that requires them to miss church uh, all the time, they need a different job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm saying that in love. I'm not trying to, you know, overstep my bounds, but mm-hmm. it is that important. Yeah. Because our kids are just inundated with the world's influence, the culture's mm-hmm. influence. They desperately need yeah. to be a part of their 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 church and a part of their their student ministry. Uh, and, and to be a part of that. And that's something really to think about. Well, I think what's not being said is that there are things that we can control and things we can't control. And that's those right. things we can't control, 
God understands. We understand those things we can control. We need to we need to check those priorities. I think uh, one of the things that really impressed me. You now your your kids are grown now, but you've gone through the whole range, the whole gamut. And your kids did sports. They did the whole thing. But there was not a Sunday that I can remember, uh, unless it was a planned thing, that you were gone. You're you're you know you guys had travel choir and travel softball and all that. And you did all that and still were able to get to church. And there are families that do that even now. We had a bunch of families show up to the early service right. on this last week, then go do their, their ball and stuff. So right. it, it can be done, right? Yeah, you just have to do your best. And it's it's not easy. I, I, I understand that. But it's just what it's, it's – you, you can figure ways out. And, uh, you know, uh, Morgan played travel softball. And uh, she, but she wasn't on a team that traveled to, you know, faraway lands to go play softball. But it was a regional kind of a travel team. But there were times when we had to. Uh, you were up in Indianapolis yeah, late at night, and I drive back. You know, you do what you, you do, whatever you have to do, and uh, you know, it, it's just there was never a time that I was comfortable with her. Just hey, I'm going to be gone for four or five weeks, and I'll see you after softball. Right. Uh, so you've got to really try and really make every effort to not be a legalist. Mm -hmm. And, and there was, there was a Sunday or two that she missed because she, she had a tournament or or they advanced and and she was going to play, but it wasn't a habit. That was not the habit. And that was not the priority. And, and she knew that, uh, we knew that. And I made sure the coach knew it before she ever played on that team that we're, we're there for the team. I, I love team sports, but you know, team sports are not as important as uh, yeah. Jesus. Well, it makes me think of another saying that you would say where uh, your kids should never wonder where they're going to be on Sunday morning, right. you know. And, you know, my kids wake up. It's it's not an option. We right. we know the whole family's going to church on Sunday morning, and that's not legalist. That's not to give myself a brownie button or anything. That's to say mm-hmm. our priority is, is that. And if you set that priority, you set that habit in your life, then your kids are going to help motivate you. Hey, it's Sunday. We got to get up. We got to go to church. Yeah, that that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast, man. <laughs> but that is that is true. Uh that uh when you set those expectations and that can be done in a in a in a way that's not legalism. Mm-hmm. Uh I, all of my kids, my kids grew up there. I'm sure, I know there were Sundays they didn't feel like going, but they went we, we didn't we, it was just what we did. And it would that was the priority. And you can do that in a way that it's not um shoving religion down your kid's throat Mm -hmm. because uh, it needs to start early for parents, you know, and you set that tone about the church. That's right. And a lot that plays into that is what they hear come out of your mouth about your church. And so it's very important. I think for, for parents to be uh, uh, supportive of their church, Uh, not that they would always agree with everything, but if not, they go talk to the pastor or whoever they need Mm -hmm. to talk to about it. You don't have to, you don't have to talk to your children about it. And it helps your kids have a positive outlook on church and going to church. It helps. Everything yes. plays into it. As a pastor, I had to be really careful about that. You know, I, I, I couldn't go home and bemoan things that were not going well in the church or whatever it may be because that's doing nothing but hurting the 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 aspect of my kids and how, what they thought about the bride of Christ. Right. And I didn't want them to have those thoughts. And so I had to be careful with that. And uh, But it, it encouraged them to go and, and to be a part and. That's that's not coming from a heart of legalism. That's coming out of a heart of seeing how important it is yeah. to to assemble together and mm-hmm. worship the Lord. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's talk about the third and final saying. This has come up 
several times um, throughout. Really, it's it's a marriage issue, and you talk about the crazy cycle of marriage. This comes from a book by Emerson Egrich that you read some time ago, and this really just kind of resonated because it's rooted in Scripture, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it definitely uh, uh, resonated resonated with me when I read it. With kind of the take that they uh, came away from Ephesians five thirty three, which which just states each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And just as he read that verse and, and applied it to how things were kind of playing out in their his marriage with his wife, he came up with what he calls the crazy cycle of love. And uh, it's really just talking about the importance of our wives need to know that they are absolutely loved by their husbands. And as they know that they are absolutely loved by their husbands, it's easy for them then to show respect to their husband. Right. And so if you're loving to your to your wife, it makes it easy for her to respect you as her husband. And as you feel respected as a husband, then it is easy, even easier for you to love her in the way in which you should. Right. There's a positive There's part a positive of this and a negative and side. A negative. So people get in this negative cycle where it's a pattern of disrespect and, and not loving. Right. And it just, it just fuels, it just keeps going around and around and around. And it's like, well, my my wife doesn't respect me, and while my husband doesn't love me, and that they somebody's got to break that cycle at right. some point, right? And just let me say about that. I mean, even in that verse, it, it says each one of you. It, he's addressing men here. He says also must love his wife. So, so as you look at the marriage relationship, I do believe in headship in marriage, and I do believe that husbands are called to take the initiative and the lead in fulfilling the roles of a, of a marriage relationship. Uh, and so what I mean by that is that we are, if we will love our wives as Christ loved the church, if we love them in that way, we are we are looking to provide for their deepest needs. We're sacrificially loving them. We're going to give all to them. And as we do that, it makes it that much easier for our wives to function in their role mm-hmm. and in this sense of this verse of respecting a husband. And uh, I remember Egbert's talking about, you know, he was talking about the, the main need in general, for a woman is love, and the main need in a man is respect. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought about the different counseling situation I'd been in. I'd never really remembered a, a man coming into me saying something like, I don't feel like she loves me. Mm-hmm, right. But I had many conversations with men who felt disrespected uh, and not and not a lack of respect. And I've talked to many women who said, I don't think he loves me. I don't mm-hmm. feel that he loves me. Right. Or I never had a woman, I never... I just can't remember one can say, uh, I don't feel like he respects me. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of played out that way. Now, does a woman need to be respected? Of course, right. absolutely. But if we're loving her the way in which she should be loved, there will be respect that just yes. naturally comes with it. Right. You're just talking about the primary need. Right. It doesn't mean there's not other needs that go into that, of but there's not. the primary right. need because it, because that's what's going to fuel either a, a cycle that, that will produce a Christ-like marriage or one that's going to put the marriage in crisis. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. And um, it, that's just there. And, uh, you, you know, marriage, is, uh, <laughs> marriage isn't easy. Uh, it is work. Uh, and uh, anybody that's been married any length of time can know that. You know, you can get three months into it, and you may start to already see, hey, this is not going to be uh, the white picket fence every day. Yeah. You know, with the you know, perfect, perfect life. Right. Uh, there are days when you've got to, it, it is hard and that's true early on. And it's true 36 years in yeah. almost now that I've been. And, but 
when you walk in that and you have as your aim to fulfill the roles that God has ordained for you in that, it can be it can be very fulfilling. That's mm-hmm. something else I say all the time. God God doesn't want you to just be married for a lifetime. He wants you to be in a fulfilling marriage for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, marriage does should not be uh, endured. It is to be uh, it is to be enjoyed mm-hmm. and it can be fulfilling. Right. Uh, and so I think those are things that we aim for uh, and prioritize in our relationships. Yeah. Brian and I have talked about the fact that marriage is really a sanctifying experience for the Christian. You know, if we're, if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is going to push us to be more like Christ in our, in our marriage. If we're, if we're living out these biblical principles. Yeah, no, it, it, it can't work any other way. It's got to work that way. And, and we are, we do grow in our, we grow in our faith you know, uh, we're being sanctified. We're in this process. I mean, your marriage is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the gospel made so much difference in my life because Paula and I, we, we got married at, uh, she was 18, I was 20, mm-hmm. very young. And I professed to be a follower of Christ, but I was not. Mm-hmm. And so we got married. The first three years were really uh, not good at all, for especially for Paula. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I came to faith in Christ at age 23 that really I, God had transformed me to my wants and desires had changed. And so I was in this process of trying to become more like Christ. And in that, these marriage principles that I had always heard, they, they started to come alive to it me. And I was, I was convicted about the way I treated my wife. Mm-hmm. The way I was living with her. Well, before before so, you came to Christ, it was all about you. It was oh yeah, it no, was, it was self focused. Yeah, Paula got what was left. Uh, it, the most important things to me were my friends and my sports and the teams I played on. Uh, and we're talking like <laughs> we're talking recreational teams. Okay? Yeah, yeah. This is not you know this is not anything important. But I was so driven and competitive that if I if I lost a game. I would ruin the whole week of our I, I, the whole week would be ruined until I had a chance to get a, a win the next week, and I would take that out on her. I mean, how how I mean, it's embarrassing to say that. How immature, but that's how I acted as I was lost mm-hmm. because, you know, she was important in the sense that yeah, I loved her, but I didn't I didn't really love her mm-hmm. in the sense in which Christ calls us to love our wives. No, I think that's good for men to hear. We need to prioritize our wives, especially and our families, because a lot of guys struggle with that, you know, and we've got to, uh, you know, I've always thought of wives are kind of like a, kind of like a flower. You know, if you, if you will invest your time and energy into your wife, she will blossom, you know, and if you don't, then she'll wilt. And yeah. I think that that's really important for guys to understand that we have a, a role to play and a part to play in our marriage and also the the well being of our of our spouse. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's really important too, and um, it's just really important that this love and respect that we show one to another, um, and, and it has to be real. Uh, you know, one of the saddest things that I've seen, I think, is um, sometimes you may be friends with people and maybe you've not seen them in a while. But and you only see their lives through Facebook, maybe, and it seems like everything's going good on Facebook. I mean, it looks that way, but then all of a sudden you hear of a separation or a divorce mm-hmm. that really takes you back, and it's it's just it's hard to process that. And so we can't just have a Facebook marriage to where mm-hmm. we we make it look good. It needs to be good, mm-hmm. and it, it it can be good as we see the importance of 
these roles and relationships that God's ordained and, and walk in them and truly love and truly respect one another. So if you have a couple that comes in to your office for counseling and you identify this is this is a major problem in their life, they're in the crazy cycle, what's the first thing you you tell them to do? How do you how do they begin to to break that cycle? Well, the first thing I one of the first things I would do would go back to the verses above of verse thirty three mm-hmm. there and look specifically at what God has ordained for the roles in a marriage mm-hmm. because those help us define Real, that, that's a that's really like a grid that can help us then assess the 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 condition of the relationship because really I don't know, I don't know of another tool to use other than to say okay God's word tells us that a husband should this and God's word tells us that a wife should do this and when you find those things aren't happening there are reasons behind mm-hmm. that. And then you've got to do the work of backtracking and really looking into the relationship and uh, try to understand oftentimes how how they got here. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the way they got there was because uh, they've never really walked in the roles mm-hmm. that God gave them. Right. And so sometimes it could be a year years of a marriage that has been built on how, what they saw of a marriage as they grew up from their parents or, and that could be good or that could be bad, or it could be, they never had any model of knowing how to be married and they've just tried to figure it out when really all along God's word has had truth for them to use. Right. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's how I would try to begin to help a couple is go back mm-hmm. to scripture and look at those roles, start asking questions right. and do the work that you have to do. Yeah, that's good. And, and to get to get where you need to Yeah, a lot of times there's a resentment built up and couples have to get to the place where they're willing to just forgive one another and say right. I'm going to let I'm I'm not it's not it's not that you're giving somebody a free pass for for sin or wrongdoing but it's saying to move forward you have to forgive each other because yeah. you're never going to you're never going to move forward out of the crazy cycle if you're constantly resenting your spouse because of this or that or how they've treated me in the past. Right. No, there's there's got to be those biblical concepts of forgiveness, of of asking for forgiveness, of being willing to give forgiveness, of dealing with one another in grace and in mercy to be able to make it your marriage last a lifetime. Right. Because apart from those biblical principles, you won't be married a lifetime Mm -hmm. because I can promise you, Paula's had to give me, (laughs) she's had to forgive me many times. And it's not like, well, I've forgiven you enough. I'm not going to forgive you. No, she's willing to forgive me Mm -hmm. and she's willing to give me grace and she's willing to give me mercy and I'm willing to give it to her. Mm -hmm. And do you ever hold on to things longer than you should? Yeah. Uh, And, but when you do, and when you refuse to walk in those things, you'll find you'll go those couple weeks or a month or God forbid a year of resentment Mm -hmm. that as you, as you stay in that, it only makes the problem larger. Mm -hmm. And at some point, like you said, you've just got to come to the realization, this is not good Mm -hmm. and it's wrong and it's sinful. And we've got to take care of that. And you need a fresh start. Sometimes you got to look at one another and say, listen, I I forgive you. Please forgive me. Mm -hmm. And, and, let go of those things that got you there, but then go to those things that you weren't doing. Right. Because if you don't run back to the things you weren't doing, the, the, those things we find in scripture, you'll, you'll repeat that again. Right. That's a crazy cycle, right? You won't respect, you won't love, but if we can run to those things, you know, are true and practice them. It's easier 
to give forgiveness and to walk in grace and mercy with one another. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says that, that they have to forgive 70 times 7. So I'm glad my wife doesn't take that literally because yeah. that's only 490 times. And I know yeah. I have offended her more than 490 times. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the equation would have had to be so large for me uh, for Paula to, to say that she'd forgive me again. But, yeah, it, it, it definitely we have to forgive. It's just part of who we are as Christians. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I mean, and, and you, you know, you give a lot of hope when you preach these uh, messages because the Bible gives us hope that we can have a fulfilling marriage. We can have be married for a lifetime and it not be enduring, but it be enjoying. Now, that doesn't mean every day is going to be no. awesome. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean you're not going to go through a season where your spouse may be struggling with something and you have to walk with them beside them through. Uh, a, a, a trial and, you know, a struggle. And that's just, but that's part of being married, right? That's a, that's exactly right. That That is what it looks like to be married. There's no other way around it. Um, so we've just got to see that for what it is and walk in those, walk in those truths. Yep. Super important. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I've, I've really enjoyed this because, you know, and there may be people newer to our church that have heard the, I think you've said, I think you've said all these things uh, recently within the last, say, six months or so, and they may have heard that and not known the history behind that. So I think that's really yeah. helpful for people to know that there's a real meaning behind these behind these sayings. Well, hopefully it'll be helpful. Uh, I would just say one more thing as it relates to marriage. That, oh, sure. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not promoting anything here. I'm not like making money off anything. But I, I uh, preached a message mm. series. I don't know. This has been a number of years back, actually. It's called... Uh, the I do it's an it's the the series is called I mm-hmm. do and it's really a series of messages on marriage yeah and, and it's been really kind of unique how God has used that series of messages because I have used it in counseling with couples mm-hmm. and others have used it as well and and I know that there are people who have listened to those more than once because it's been helpful to them in some of these roles uh, in yeah, relationships. And so that's out there if you ever want to. Yeah, it's on our it's on our website still. So if you go to oakhillbc.org, there's a button there that says sermons. You click on that, and then we have all of our series in a drop-down menu here. And you go all the way to the bottom. It's the last, well, there's two series. It's the second to last series. And there is uh, five sermons in this series. And I've listened to this again. I've used it in marriage counseling with couples, especially guys that don't like to read. You know, I've, yeah. I've used this, they can listen to it. And cause it gives some really good truth there and it, it puts things in, puts things in perspective for them. So that's a great series. Yeah. So like I said, that's just out there and you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, you know, me and, me and the wife are having a really hard time right now. Maybe you don't want to come and talk to one of your pastors right now. I hope that you would be to where you would, uh, because uh, hopefully we, the, your pastors, uh, Mike Schloss, our, our one of our elders, uh, is a certified biblical counselor. All, every anyone you talk to is going to uh, understand these uh, hardships of marriage. You know, we've we've walked through hard times. We want to help you, but say you're not ready to talk to somebody, it does. It's not too hard to click a button there on your computer and maybe sit down and listen to it yourself, or maybe uh, maybe a wife is listening to this and you need some help. Uh, go and click those buttons and listen to those messages. And then maybe through that, God could speak to you through that. Uh, or maybe that would be the the beginning of coming and talking with that third party, someone that can be trusted, uh, who is going to n- not judge you or prejudge you, but he's just going to help you 
look at your relationship and use God's word as the source of truth that your marriage needs. Mm -hmm. That's great. Man, that's really good. That's really good. I'm glad you said that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off earlier there, but uh, yeah, all of this is is really good. And I I do think if you're uh, new to Oak Hill or even you've been here for a while, you may have not known these things. And so I think it's really good that we talk about them and understand that, uh, you know, the heart behind these things. So hopefully they'll be helpful. Yeah. Uh, You know, Every pastor at our church, our elders, we we love our church, and uh, we want to help any way that we can. And I pray that you'll always know that. Yep. Well, good. Well, we're excited. We're hopefully uh, next time you hear this is uh, we're recording before Easter, uh, but this will air after Easter. So I'm, we're getting excited. We're getting geared up for Easter. But Brian and I are starting a new series on hard talks with uh, our children. We're going to look at the different stages of how you talk to your children about different things. We're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about some work ethic. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about lots of lots of good things for parents. So and you guys should have done that some years back, so I could have benefited from that. All mine are grown and out of the house now. But we uh, may have to get some wisdom from you because we're right in the middle of raising our children. So well, you know, we got to find wisdom anywhere we can find that's it. That's right. Know? So. Uh, Whatever, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.